Uh, friends, I'm excited to continue on with our series today, and I want to invite, uh, introduce our guest speaker. And though he is a guest today, he is no stranger to River Tree. He uh, is the, the president and leader of a global uh, church planting organization. He is a uh, traveler and speaker all around the world. He is a longtime uh, friend and pastor for River Tree. Him and his uh, family, they live up in the Cleveland area. His daughter is the worship leader for our River Tree Fairless campus. We love him. If you don't know him yet, you are in for a treat. And if you do know him, you know what you are to expect. Please welcome to the stage our good Good friend, Greg Nettle. <laughs> well, River Tree, man, it's good to be home. Yeah, it's just uh, really good. I always, I always love coming back here and have a deep love for this area and obviously uh, for this church. Um, as uh, Jeremy said, I serve as president of Stadia, and we help you start new churches throughout the United States and around the world. And I am so deeply, deeply grateful for all of you and um, your partnership in spreading the hope of Jesus. You know, Stadia's vision is for every child on the planet to have a church. And we do that by helping you uh, to start new, thriving, growing, multiplying churches for the next generation. And I just want to celebrate with you because of your partnership. Just last year alone, we helped start um, more than 450 new churches. Um, so it's pretty exciting stuff. So thank you for that. You know, uh, Jeremy contacted me and said, look, would you be willing to jump into this series with me and Jason? And I said, yeah, you know, I always love coming home. And um, so what's it about? Well, we're in this series called, you know, it's based on the seven dev deadly sins and seven loving acts and, you know, all of this acts of kindness and things. And I said, great. And um, so he said, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, anger and forgiveness and lust and purity. And lots of people have asked me today, so which one are you, did they assign to you? And I said, well, they gave me pride and humility. And every, everybody just laughs. It's like, well, they really typecast you, didn't they? And I'm like, yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, for those of you who have known me a long time, that's, you know, there was a time when I probably would have bragged about how humble I am. And, uh, you know, so, <laughs> but I, I think in the midst of these days, you know, and what's going on in our culture, this is just such an important, important topic. Pride and humility and how, how we carry ourselves as followers of Jesus. And so I want this to be just such a practical teaching this morning. And you know, whenever I teach, I hope it's coming out of the abundance of what God is teaching me. And this is certainly true of, of this sermon this, this weekend. So let's go ahead and we're going to jump in the book of Matthew. If you want to turn in there in your Bibles, we're going to have it up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 7. This is out of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. These are the direct words of Jesus. So very very important. These are the red letter words sometimes highlighted in the Bible where Jesus speaks. Matthew chapter 7, start reading in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's or your sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank the two-by-four that's in your own. How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank 
out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. Now, this is, this is fun because you all knew it was in there somewhere, right? Now you know it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Don't judge. And so you can just tell people that now from now on, right? Don't judge. That's in the Bible. And none of us likes to be judged. I mean, my guess is, raise your hand right now. If you woke up this morning and said, man, I hope I get in a situation that, where I get judged today. Go ahead. Anybody? Man, I hope I get judged today. I hope when I'm driving down here, somebody judges my driving. I hope when I get to church, somebody judges the way I'm dressed. Right? No. We don't like to be judged, do we? And so Jesus just says it very crystal clear. Don't judge. My wife, now I know none of you wives do this, but my wife has a tendency to judge my driving. I know none of you would do that. But my wife has a tendency to judge my driving. And a few years ago, she texted me. I was traveling, and she texted me and said, Greg, do you mind if I haul some stuff in your SUV? And um, I said, of course not. You don't have to text me to ask me that. But, so she goes out in the garage, opens the garage door, opens the back hatch of the SUV you know, that goes up in the air. She's loading some stuff in, in the Honda. And, and then she backs out of the garage, but she forgot to put down the hatch on the back. And so it catches the top of the garage, bends the garage door, and the glass in the back hatch door just, right? So now, when she mentions my driving, yeah, yeah, I just mentioned that I have never, because we don't like to be judged. None of us walks around and goes, man, I hope, I hope somebody judges me. Matthew 7, 1, look at this again. Do not judge. But I want you to notice there's not a period at the end of that sentence. There's not a period there. It's do not judge or you too will be judged. Well, how will we be judged? Look at 7, 2. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the way that you measure me, you size me up, it will be measured to you. So the same way that I look at someone and might judge them, God says, wait, if you do that, that's the way you're going to be judged. If you're looking at people on the outside and judging them, or even if you know them well and are judging them, just so you know, you're going to be judged in the same manner. It's going to be the same measure that's used for you. Now, the crazy thing, if you remember the golden rule, Matthew chapter 7 as, as well, it, it says, what? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat others the way you want to be treated. So in this case, what Jesus is really saying to us is judge others how? The way you want to be judged. <laughs> now, let this sink in. Treat others the way you want to be tra- treated. Judge others, Jesus says, the way you want to be judged, because that's the way you're going to be judged. How do you like to be judged? Think about it. How do you like to be judged? I don't like to be judged at all, period. 
But there are some times when it's necessary. But boy, if I'm going to be judged, I want to be judged with understanding, with compassion. I want to be judged by someone who has my best interests in mind, right? Someone who deeply cares about me if they're going to judge me. Someone who's, who's judging me out of love, if you will. Because if you just hold up a sign and say, Greg Nettle, you look bad in black. I don't want to hear it, even if I might. Right, but think about it, what we do to people. We judge on appearance. We, 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 I saw this t-shirt. It says, don't judge the book of my life by the chapter you happen to enter in. I thought that was pretty profound. It's make sure you know my story before you enter into that part of trying to help me out. Because none of us likes to be judged. But it doesn't stop there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, Jesus continues. And he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's or your sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank or the two-by-four, if you will, in your own eye? So you have this pride. You're looking at the sin of someone else, at the speck. But then you move to humility. How do we do that? We recognize the plank in our own eye. How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a two-by-four in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. First, take the plank out of your own eye. So this idea is that the speck of sawdust that I see in someone else's eye should help me in my own life. The speck of sawdust that I see in someone else's eye should help me become more like Jesus. How? Because what does Jesus say? When I see a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye, when I see something that I'm judgmental about, I shouldn't say anything to them. First, I should examine my own life. First, I should see if there's a plank in my own eye. But see, getting that out of your eye, that, that's painful, right? Plank surgery. Is, have you ever had plank surgery on your eye, the way you look at things? Man, I have. It is painful. It takes time. It's painful. Do you, I mean, do you ever, have you ever had just a speck in your eye? Has ever, anything ever flown? Like, do you ever have an eyelash in your eye? It's awful, isn't it? It's irritating. It can become painful. I, I, I was at a restaurant actually over in Maslin. This is several years ago. Um, we were having pizza with some friends, and they brought the pizza out to the table. And you know those jars that have the red pepper chips in them, you know, to put on your... Like, I love spicy food, so I am just vigorously going at it with the pepper chips. And don't you know, one of those pepper chips flies out of the container and into my eye. And it lodged itself down in here. And it was painful. I'm in the bathroom. I'm trying to flush my eye with water out of the sink. Flush was the wrong choice of words, I guess. But I, I, water out of the sink, trying to clean my eye out. And it was just painful. And that's the way plank surgery can be. Whenever we're messing with the way we see things, whenever we're saying, God, okay, I see a speck in someone else's eye, and I'm really tempted to be judgmental out of my pride here right now and out of 
It makes me feel better about myself. I'm really tempted to be judgmental. And God says, no, no, let's just examine your own life here first and see if you need some plank surgery. And I've had plank surgery. You know, I mean, I think back, many of you have walked through plank surgery with me over the years. I mean, I think back about God shifting, you know, my view and attitude towards children years ago from children being a means to an end to build a big church to children being of enormous kingdom value in and of themselves. I mean, we went through that as a church, but it was the plank surgery God was doing in my eye. And I remember just crying through some of those days about how I missed it. And then there was the plank surgery that God did while I was here about building his kingdom rather than building Greg Nettle's kingdom. I mean, this, this, is, this is humbling stuff, right? It's no fun to stand up and say, hey, guess what? But it's true. What's it mean to build God's kingdom rather than build our own? And we all have to ask that question. And just to be very transparent with you, God's doing plank surgery in my life right now. He's got, I mean, my eye, I'm on the table right now. Um, some of you know that after 30 years of living here in Jackson Township that I love dearly. I love Jackson Township. I love the people of Jackson Township. But in our Jesus journey, um, we have now moved into Cleveland, um, just about an hour north of here. And it's been a big transition because we've gone from three acres, wooded acres here in Jackson Township to living in a condominium with city streets. And uh, we did it because God's doing plank surgery in our life. Because the reality is, is that what we came to recognize over the last several years is that I have grown up, Julie and I both, um, our whole lives have grown up in overwhelmingly white-dominated, racially white-dominated culture. Um, and for us, this is our journey that God has us on, but you know what's been going on in our country, and as, as we navigate that and as we become more like Jesus, just us personally, it meant that we needed to live in proximity to diversity. We felt that we couldn't talk about God's kingdom, diversity at God's kingdom table of all people's tribes and nations if we couldn't represent that proximity in our own physical home right now. And so for us, that's why we moved. And a lot of people have texted and asked and asked on Facebook and things like that. And I've been very hesitant because this is part of our journey. This is the surgery that God's got us on. And yet the fact is, you know, when I look at what's going on in our country right now, that's an area where um, for us, we need to become more and more like Jesus in understanding um, other cultures. And so for us, that's the journey that, that God, God has us on is a learning um, journey. But it's not easy. But it's very, very good for us. It's very, very good. And I wish I was only 25 years old. I was telling one of my spiritual directors that recently so that, you know, because when you learn that following Jesus and saying yes to Jesus no matter what, um, no matter how old, how old you are or what stage of life you're in, um, it's such an adventure to follow Jesus and to allow, you know, because you have these surgeries and what happens after that? You're healthier. Well, I mean, unless you die on the table, but that's a bummer. And, um, <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> I have become more restrained, I think, uh, in things I'd say. There are things that just want to pop out of my mouth. And 
I was going to go down that path much farther, but I'm not going to today. Um, <laughs> I used to be a lot more fun. Um, anyhow, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. So you know this song. Sing it with me. Here we go. I can see clearly now. You know this song, right? Okay, sing it. Okay, stop. Sing it with me. I can see clearly now the plank is gone. Okay, there. So now anytime you ever hear that song again, reframe it, because now you know it's about Jesus' teaching, right? They just said the rain is gone, but it, they really meant the plank. And so <laughs> remove the plank so that you can see clearly, because John 13, 34, Jesus also says this, a new command, underline the word command, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you underline this word, so you must love one another. It's a command, it's a must, it's not optional. We love each other the way Jesus loves us. And so here's the deal. Jesus says, okay, don't judge unless you recognize that you're gonna be judged. Because the way you judge others, you're gonna be judged. And so we have to ask the question, well, how do I wanna be judged, right? If it's gonna happen, how do I want to have that happen in my life? And then he says, okay, well, remove the, the re whole point of seeing the specks there is so that you can remove the two by four in your own eye. So you can become more like Jesus. But that's not where it stops. Because the whole point of this teaching is the end part. Once you move the plank in your own eye, then what? Then what? You'll be able to help remove the speck in someone else's eye. And it's not an option, it's a command, it's a must. But as we do it, we do it in a way that reflects the love of Jesus and the love he has shown to us. And so if I'm going to, God calls me to help someone to remove a speck, I want to do that in a way that I would want someone to approach me. And again, how is that? If someone's going to do that, it's not someone shouting at you, judging you, right? Because we all hate that. But what are Christians supposedly known for right now? Being so judgmental. Ooh. That's like the last thing we should be known for ever. According to this text, Jesus' teaching, we should be known for what? Understanding and compassion and love and coming alongside people to help them with the speck in their eyes because we understand what it's like to have a plank taken out of our own eyes. And so if you were to help me as so many of you have over the years, I want you, sometimes you have to be firm. I get that. You have to speak the truth, but you also have to do it with understanding and coming alongside me, not pointing the finger. And I'm telling you, I mean, I've had this happen to me just recently as the leader of Stadia. People really quick right now in our culture to draw lines in the sand, to make judgments, People are really quick right now, aren't they? And I'm telling you what, with a presidential election coming up, there are going to be people that are really quick to point fingers because you voted for Donald Trump or because you didn't vote for Donald Trump. Right? Because that's what we do. 
boom. And I don't know what it is for you that you judge, but we all have the tendency to do it. But that's not what Jesus' followers really do. So Jesus is really addressing three groups of people here. The three groups of people are, first of all, um, the self-righteous. And find, see, just kind of examine your heart today and where you're sitting right now, what's going on in your life, because you can fall in any one of these three groups at any given time. But some of us have a tendency to, to fall in this group of being self-righteous. And I have to tell you, who were the most self-righteous people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Think about it. Who were the most self-righteous people that Jesus dealt with in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? The Pharisees, exactly. The religious leaders of the day. And Jesus' words to them were some of the harshest words that Jesus ever... If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John with the way he spoke to the Pharisees, you'd wonder if he was even a Christian. I mean, his words to the Pharisees, to the self-righteous, were harsh. And if you find yourself in that category of being judgmental because you're self-righteous... Here's the antidote to that. You need to repent. You need to say, God, I'm sorry. Because if you are self-righteous, you are sinning. Period. Self-righteousness is bad, according to Jesus. But man, we can go there really quickly. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Man, I can go to self-righteous just like that on all kinds of issues. I mean, we could become very self-righteous about the whole Roe v. Wade decision that just happened, right? We can become really self-righteous on that one. That's sinful. Isn't that weird to say? That's sinful. And we need to repent if we're self-righteous. If we become judgmental in our self-righteousness, it's sin. So if you're in that group today, you need to repent. Now here's the second group. The second group are what Jesus, I think, would call the self-centered. And what I mean by this, if you find yourself in this group, and boy, in our culture today, this is one a lot of us find ourselves in frequently. And self-centered simply means that, okay, um, I'm not going to be judgmental because I know I'm not supposed to be self-righteous even though I see things wrong in the world and I know I'm supposed to speak the truth in love but I'm not going to go there because what I'm going to do is I see the speck in somebody else's eye I'm just going to spend all my time working on me I'm going to spend all my time letting Jesus sanctify me and helping me become like Jesus which is a good thing right sanctification this process of becoming like Jesus is very important we need to let that happen but I'm not going to engage with the world because that's dangerous it's it's unsafe out there and you're right, it is not safe. But Jesus never calls us to be safe, ever. And so if you find yourself in that camp, and man, I just, today, it's, it's really easy. Like, there are lots of times where I would, like, honestly, this teaching today, I don't feel like this is a safe teaching. Like, it's really easy to judge me about this teaching today. It doesn't feel safe to me. And it would be a lot easier for me to say, you know, Jeremy, no, I really don't want to deal with this topic. Though I really didn't want to deal with the others either, so. 
<laughs> just to be honest, man, that lust purity one, no. Um, I'm really glad you gave that to Jason. Uh, um, but, you know, the, it's not safe. But the antidote to self-centered is we have to engage, okay? If it's self-righteous, we need to repent. If it's self-centered, we need to engage. And so we don't just sit back. We don't say, well, you know, eventually she'll figure it out. Eventually he'll come to his senses. No, if we really love people the way Jesus loves them, then we will what? We will come alongside them with understanding and compassion. We'll understand their story and we'll engage with them. We, we, we won't be judgmental on how they look or how they dress. I can, you know, people walking down the street, I, I know you never do this, but I do. I mean, I can judge them so quickly just the way they're dressed. Man, that's just sinful. I'm just speaking to myself, right? Um, but my guess is you feel it too. You know it. We know it. But I can be judgmental of... A family member, I can, I mean, you can be judgmental of a classmate in school, you can be judgmental of a coworker, someone, the way your kids are handling things, the way somebody's parenting. We can be judgmental so quickly. And I'm not even saying that you're necessarily wrong. That's not the, what, you know, that's not what this scripture's talking about. They could, they could be very, very wrong and headed down a path that's really bad. All Jesus is saying is, look, when you recognize that you're being self-righteous, deal with that, and then let Jesus do the plank surgery in Oni because you can become self-centered. But then the whole point of it is so that you can engage in love with someone, so that you can help. Because we have self-righteous, we have self-centered, and then we have the last group, which is selfless. Selfless. And that's the group where we want to end up where we're saying, you know what, I, I know I could get judged myself if I enter into this fray, where we say, I care enough and I love you enough that I'm going to come walk beside you and walk through this with you, right? And friends, I'll tell you what, if you have people around you that love you enough and care for you enough and have moved from pride to humility because see here's the deal if we want to move from pride to humility it means that we take an honest assessment we recognize the planks in our own eye and then we use that experience of plank surgery to love and help others which is a very humbling thing to do But then we can sing. And so just sing it with me now, because I don't ever want you to, to forget this. Ready? Here we go. I can see clearly now the plank is gone. 